Hello, everybody, and welcome to Fortress Comic News, episode 324. I am one of your hosts, Chris, alongside my returning co-host, Mike. What's up, Mike? I'm back, man. Uh, you know, a lot of things are up, uh, a lot of things are down, and uh, a lot of things are around. I uh, I will say this, that um, I did have a, f- a lot of fun while I was away, and uh, I was away for like a wedding thing with some friends, and I know there's comic book shit in an interview with uh, Jason uh, McNamara, I believe, and uh, we'll get to that in a little bit, but... <laughs> Um, I went to a place called uh, Carowinds, and some friends who were listening were probably were there with me. So, uh, but it was—I'm not huge on roller coasters, Chris. Yep. I I went on a few and I enjoyed it. Like this was fun. Um, we went on a wooden one, which I went on a wooden one in the past, and they hurt like because there's no like give to them. And uh, this one hurt, so I was like, yeah, it's definitely the same thing that I remember. And when we were like rolling in. We saw that the like the support beams were like pointing out all the nails that were like poking out and missing from a lot of the because they're like four by four like almost like railroad track beams yeah. or bigger than four by four sorry but uh, as we were like stopped there to, for them to get us off the ride then we look at another one and we're like wow look at those nails those are all sticking out and we're like no that's because the board is completely like pulled off <laughs> of the track so like you know a week or so it's been a week I think. And one of the rides that we had a lot of fun on, I think some people went out a couple times. It just hit the news today. And this is Carowinds. You can look it up. I forget the name of the ride. It's 305 or something because it has like a 305 foot drop straight down. Uh, they're being reported because one of the support beams, there's a crack in it. So uh, they've been reported and it's a huge violation and people could have died. It's been that way since like since I went on the ride, since thousands of people have been on that ride for the last week. So um and it was funny because we had some friends in the group that like don't do roller coasters so they were just hanging out while we would hit up the roller coasters but with with good riddance or good i don't know whatever uh it uh foresight because yeah these places are death traps and uh i kind of like confirmed that i really don't need to hit up roller coasters anytime soon for the rest of my life because i could have i could have been a casualty to one I don't mind roller coasters, but like I don't seek them out. Like if somebody right, invites yeah, me, like if yeah. you called me up and like let's go to Darien Lake, I'd be like, yeah. okay, I'd be like, okay, we'll do it. And that's kind yeah. of like the situation I was in because I the friends with the party love them, and I was like, okay, so I was like, have like you know all pumped up by association, like they're all pumped up, so I'm like, yeah, let's do it. Um, but I will say the failure of the day, Carowinds, if you're listening, which you're not, because you're probably dealing with a lawsuit. Uh, they don't have corn dogs. Now, what kind of theme park is this? Exactly, and the the it was the joke of the day because like I was literally like we got there. I'm like I'm just here for the corn dog, like for real. I just want a corn dog. Want to walk around a corn dog, and we get to the part of the we get to the part of the park, and there's this giant corn dog mascot like pointing like corn dogs this way, and I'm like, and everybody was like was laughing at me all day. I'm like, this is a thing. Like corn dogs at theme parks is a thing, yeah. and we get there. They're closed. They they just aren't aren't open anymore. But they still have the sign. And I was like, is this some type of sick joke? Like, and then like pr- like from then on for the rest of the day, like all my food endeavors were just downhill. I tried to grab something else that wasn't available. It was just a, but like it all started with the corn dog. So awful. Yeah. Anyways, 
here we are. I'm back. Chris has got a lot to talk about. Yeah. Um, he's got he's got a lot of cool stuff. He's got a new game he showed me earlier today. Oh yeah, dude. Yeah. So um, I live by Rochester, New York, as a lot of people know. But uh, Millennium hit Games. Hit, hit me up. I'll give you his address. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Millennium Games opened up a new store, and it's now like. The, they claim it's the biggest board game store in the country. I don't know if that's true or not. That's just what they say. I saw pictures. It looks big. It's huge. Yeah. Like, especially for a board game store. Yeah. So we had a lot of fun there. I was back and forth. Have you ever played Zombicide? Uh, it's a it's a video game too, right? I think they've made video game versions yeah, of I've it. Seen There's also it. a comic never, book. I, yeah, I've never played it, but I've seen it. I've seen it. So it's a fun board game, but they made yeah. a Marvel Zombies version of it. Oh, amazing. So I was between that and uh, the one I ended up buying, yeah. which was the Shovel Knight board game. And that's because I was just like, I love fucking Shovel Knight. Just the design of that game has got to yeah. be sick. But yeah, I took a friend, me and a friend went in there and spent like a couple hours hanging out, looking at stuff. He's really into magic, so he bought a bunch of oh, magic yeah. cards. And of course. Had a good time, so... Yeah, that was cool. I also got a new dice set that I got to show you later because it's funny. Awesome. Um, is it dicks? No, I wish it was. It'd be so much better <laughs> if it was. Like a... <laughs> so much I know better. what to get you for Christmas now, dice. <laughs> <laughs> I know you, though. You're like, it's a dice set. I'm really excited about it. Is it dicks? <laughs> no, it's not dicks. No, but you're close. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh, and then I was uh, shopping, grocery shopping the other day, and... Uh, New friend of the show, uh, recent guest, Travis Mercer, did this book for uh, McFarlane Toys' new mm-hmm. line of comic punchers, mm-hmm. which are action figures that come with a comic. Yeah. I mean, the comic's that. actually an original comic. It's not like, because they do these a lot of times where it's like, right. you get Flash and then Flash points in the back. It's like a, yeah, it's, or like a reprint of like New 52 or this something. This is a whole new one where it's Batman fighting the Frozen. Oh, and man. It's Batman, it's Caveman Batman. Oh, my God. That's awesome. So I got that, and then the villain's Mister Freeze. So I got the Mister Freeze, and it's Look like that. a steampunk Mister Freeze that from like the eighteen hundreds. That is so awesome. Yeah, and what's cool too is each character you buy has a different cover as well. Oh man, yeah. So I gotta go find those. Where did you find them? I just found them at Walmart. Oh, sick. But I seen them on Amazon. I'm sure, yeah. like Target or wherever else you want to show. That's such a cool idea with the original comic. Yeah, and that's apparently a thing McFarlane Toys want to do. And um, Travis, I mean, we talked about it on the show. Travis did the whole story for it and everything, and was really uh, proud of it. And they they seem they have like four or five of them coming out over the next year plus. So mm-hmm. that's that'd be cool to check those out. It's funny because like there's a there's a dude that I uh, at work that I geek out over. Like he's a he's a toy guy, mm-hmm. so he just has like thousands of Star Wars and like DC Comics toys, and he always send me pictures when he's buying them. And honestly, it kind of like it like helps me not to have to buy them because I'm like living through him. But he yep. like sends me the, these Batman figures and stuff. And I'm like, oh, shit, that's from this. Like he doesn't read the comics, but I'm like surprised about how many figures they made from almost like every comic book run that we've read now. I'm like, holy shit, they made that Batman. They made yep. that Joker. Like, yeah, McFarlane's doing some cool stuff. Did I go through because uh, our Walmart has a pretty big toy aisle. That's cool. It's like five toy aisles, actually. Oh. And um, one is all like, I mean, it's all kids stuff, but yeah, one's like the right. adult nerdy section. Yeah. So it's like Star Wars, Marvel, DC, and mm-hmm. then like He-Man. And oh, hell shit. yeah. I love the He-Man figures. And I would just go through and look around at stuff, see what yeah. they got. 
and uh the McFarlane toys are by far the best. Like, yeah, they have like, it used the to be the Marvel ones. Legends toys, but now yeah. McFarlane's just killing it with those DC and, toys. And they have like McFarlane does like the gold label line, right? Or something. And those they do a whole bunch of different lines. Yeah. It's dude, they're actually um they did one for the Flash movie. Mm-hmm. And it's the Flash, obviously. Yeah, right. And it's kind of an oversized one, and it is so nice. Yeah. Unfortunately, uh, it's for a really shitty Flash. But right. the figure but is really nice. Talk talking about the Flash one though, um, I was going to say the Mcfarlane one that came out was of uh, Keaton Batman, and that one was sick. That was there was the one too, without, yeah. without the cowl and with the cowl, and it looked like Keaton. Like, sometimes you get those figures, and you're like, who the hell is that guy? <laughs> oh, uh, rewind, because I, I mentioned He-Man. Yeah. Did you know this He-Man board game, too? No, I did not know this. Dude, it, it's like all 3D figure, like... Figures oh and everything, and it. It, there's so many expansions for it. Like one of the expansions you can buy. Mm-hmm. So the board comes; it's like a normal board, and then you have the figures on it. Okay, and you can buy like 3D tiles and everything to like make it bigger and all that, and, like what? make it more realistic. Yeah, you can buy just a castle gray skull to put on the board. Oh my god! And everything, like oh my yeah, god! Dude, I, I was that. looking at it; it would have cost like probably close to seven hundred dollars to get the whole to get the whole thing. expansions and the little things, and everything else. I I love He Man, and I've never like read all the comics or watched all of the shows, but I do love the, the figures. Like those figures are just so awesome. I'm just a huge Man at Arms nerd, and I can confirm that one of the expansion packs for that board game includes Fisto. Oh yes, because of course that's what I was looking for the whole time. There's no there are no more enemies to fist. <laughs> <laughs> Fisto has fisted them all. He's real. Look him up, folks. Um, all right, you got you got to talk to me about Secret Invasion because that came out. I haven't watched it yet, uh, and I didn't. I forgot there's two episodes. Samuel Jackson being a badass. Yeah, when you're all listening to this, episode three's out. But uh, I I love it, man. It's yeah. I mean, it's my thing. It's a uh, spy thriller. Yep. With Nick Fury, uh, where aliens are trying to take over Earth. Like, <laughs> perfect. Yeah. What else do I need? Yeah. But yeah, I think it's really well done. The first episode ends on a really like somber moment that I felt was super impactful and like involved a character I love. Mm-hmm. Uh, the villain, the guy who plays the villain, is amazing. Who is He's the so fucking good. Um, I forget the dude's name now. But it, it's just, I mean, we're fighting scrolls here. It's one of the scrolls. Oh, yeah, yeah. Is he the guy from Su- uh, Suicide Squad or. Uh, not just uh, Peacemaker, right? He's the uh, alien dude from Peacemaker. I thought. No. no, oh no, he was in the new. Never mind. I'm getting stuff mixed up with Marvel. Uh, it's Gravik is the character. The actor is Kingsley Ben Adir. Mm. Who I know, yeah, he's playing. Um, <laughs> he's playing Bob Marley in a movie here soon. Oh, okay. And he's he was in something else we know really well. That's interesting. Dun, 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 vamping. So he was in that King Arthur movie. Okay. And, oh, he was in World War Z as well. Nice, nice. So yeah, he's been in a bunch of stuff, but he's an amazing actor, man. Like, he's yeah, that's cool. Such a good villain, and everything. Really enjoy it. A lot of good action, spy stuff. It has like the feel of Winter Soldier without mm-hmm. any super heroics. Uh, they tease something really big fantastic four adjacent in it that makes me like super excited um yeah okay i'm all, all right the show is i think the show is really good yeah 
it's just hitting all the right buttons for me. Samuel Jackson too, man. I could watch that guy do anything. Dude, and there's moments because like, you know, scrolls can turn to anything. Right. So there's moments where like Sam Jackson has to play a scroll in oh, it. Oh, that's awesome. It just reminds you that like Sam Jackson's a really good fucking actor. Oh yeah, he is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that dude can act. That's awesome. So, I, I really wait. I highly recommend the show. I don't think you need to know a whole bunch. Maybe at most you would need to watch Captain Marvel, but even then they kind of recap everything that happened. Okay. So cool. it's very standalone too, which is nice. Um this is a little surprising. So San Diego Comic Con's coming up. It's gonna be a little later this year. Uh well due to the writer's strike. It was announced that all the major players in the movie and TV space are skipping the event, including Marvel Studios, Warner Brothers, and more. Um, I mean, we almost know why. I mean, so, like, this is also, like, a good scapegoat for them, too, right? Of, like, oh, we don't have to put a slate out of <laughs> of movies or trailers or tease anything because we could just, like, not show up. Um, I don't know. I think for DC Studios, this is a good thing. Yeah, because it right. is an excuse. DC's like, <laughs> yeah, because like at most they would have like uh, brought out these new actors for Superman, which we'll talk about in a minute. Mm-hmm. But other than that, like, what else do they have other than be like Blue Beetles coming out, everybody? And that's yeah. probably gonna flop too, right? Uh, <laughs> well, and uh, Marvel just everything's pushed back, so it's it'd be tough. Like they could talk yeah. about Loki probably and a few other things already done and coming out but Mm -hmm. yeah it's unfortunate but at the same time i almost think it's a good thing to kind of give us a rest for a year and then move on yeah but i feel Um, bad for the people that bought tickets yeah for this well honestly i've been more excited about san diego over the years because we've been getting crazy like vault comics has been showing up with a big crowd scout comics like those those publishers have been like putting a lot forward for this for this comic-con I'm I'm convinced that Marvel is going to come out big this year. Like mm-hmm. I, I especially for me, like 100 percent. I feel like a new ROM series is getting announced there. Yeah, right. That That's my gut. I know of a DC announcement that people are going to be excited about. And just knowing the other publishers, too, what's going to be nice about it is, yeah, when we do our San Diego Comic-Con episode it's gonna be comics comics. yeah Yeah. it's gonna be like i that's what i was gonna bring it back to is like yeah we could be upset the movie studios aren't there but like comic-con is gonna be about comics yeah so (laughs) i think it's gonna be yeah exciting for us but like normies are gonna be like oh fucking comics but you know you know when i when i wasn't reading comics as much i would always be like oh yeah new york comic-con's happening you get some tv show announcements and then like san diego would happen you get movie announcements but like New York is still all about comics and they're still doing really well. So, you know, uh, San Diego could do it too. Um, yeah. Okay. So we'll, we'll talk about the, the elephant in the room, the Superman legacy casting announcement. And that there's some funny shit surrounding this because James Gunn will just, you know, answer all these idiots on Twitter. Um, he's got nothing else to do to save everybody some views on Twitter. I know you don't want to use up your views. I'll, I'll tell you what happened. Um, after many auditions and even more rumors, we know who the leads for James Gunn's Superman Legacy movie will be, playing Kal-El, Clark Kent. Wow, this is the same person? Is David Cornsweet, <laughs> <laughs> Mostly unknown actor, and playing Lois Lane is Rachel Broshahan. 
Brosnahan, Brosnahan, <laughs> who is probably best known for starring in Amazon's uh, Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. And I've heard that's really good. So now, the, the funny part about this is if you look up David Cornsweet, he looks very strikingly similar to young Henry Cavill. <laughs> and people were tweeting at James Gunn like, what, did you notice this? Like, oh my God, <laughs> like, did you do this on purpose? And he was like, yeah, well, he's a good actor. And the fact that he looks like a young Henry Cavill, yeah, like that he looks like the last person that played Superman. Wow, shocking. What a fucking surprise. Like, really? Come on. Uh, I, I mean, they look they look like Lois Lane and Clark Kent to me. That's, that's all I'll say. <laughs> And it, Warner's done this before. I mean, yeah. when they did Superman Returns, they got a guy who looked like Reeves. So, oh my God, I know. Uh, <laughs> Brandon Brandon Routh looks yeah. just like Reeves. Oh my God, spinning image. Yeah, I I mean, I think it's coincidence because everybody's like, oh, they're gonna cast uh, Cavill as John Kent. I'm like, probably not, guys. <laughs> or they could cast Cavill if he looks older as Kingdom Come Superman. I, I mean, yeah, that down the line, I could see yeah. Cavill coming back and being like an alternate reality Superman or something. But with overalls on, please God, let him be wearing overalls. But yeah, <laughs> I, I think it's cool. It's an unknown because yeah. I have no preconceived notion of him. Like this is what we said we wanted, right? This is what yeah. we wanted. So this is what Marvel did so well yeah. on their lesser known heroes back in the day. Like, yes, their core heroes. Uh, Iron Man, Captain America, so on. Like we got known quantities. Well, but... they did it with Spider Man too. What's his name? Yeah, was like, more of a Broadway actor, right? Yeah, Spider Man and uh, Holland came out, and nobody knew who the fuck that guy was. And now yeah, he's right. one of the biggest actors yeah. in the world. Yeah. So I think it, if it's done correctly, it can work really well, and I hope that's the case here. And I've I've heard Marvelous Miss Maisel is really good, and uh, I've heard the actress uh, Rachel is phenomenal in it. So. Awesome. It seems like a similar kind of role because she's playing a stand-up comedian who's like bucking the system mm. and kind of a seventies-ish like feminist. Oh, that's role. Cool. Yeah, so that's Lois Lane, right? Yeah, there. yeah so right. it works. Yeah, that's um, awesome. Yeah, so I'm excited for this, and I'm glad to have like actual news and not have to read the 20th article about how this person's going to be Superman. Yeah. Then, they were talking about all those really famous people that I can't think of their names right now, but, uh, yeah. And then gun coming out and being like, Nope, that's not nope, what we're doing. No, okay. we're doing. And it wasn't Nicholas cage. So sorry, everyone who was voting for that, but you and yeah. me both are really upset. If uh, it was, I would bought five tickets. Yes. Craven the hunter for trailer. Listen, man, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know much about Craven the Hunter. You all know that I love DC over Marvel, but do, does he really like? Does he really get bit by a, a mutant lion or is a ra- it, radioactive lion? Radioactive lion. I think. In, I think in the trailer he's supposed to have like some super soldier serum in his backpack, and the lion like bites him through the back, and somehow it contaminates his blood. What the hell was going on in that trailer? I'm not a Spider Man guy, but to my knowledge, Craven does have powers yeah but it's through some ritual involving lion's blood right which that sounds way more metal than whatever the hell we just got in that trailer yeah and i don't really understand what the fuck happened in that trailer and and can, can i say something that like uh uh oh my god i can't think of his name but the dude who plays his dad uh gladiator Russell Crowe oh, yeah. has a really Fighting heavy the world. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he has a really heavy Russian accent, right? Which I think that'd be really cool for Craven the Hunter. Mm-hmm. But then his son 
who is played, you know, kick-ass, plays, the, uh, plays him also Quicksilver, uh, doesn't have an accent. He's just, like, straight up, you know, straight up voice, not, like, even, like, oh, I'm Craven the Hunter. You know, it's just, like, nah, I'm Craven the Hunter. And it's, like, what? What? <laughs> You're called Craven the Hunter, and you don't have, like, an imposing, like, terrifying voice? It's a strange. The I mean, these Sony movies have the lowest of low expectations, so oh I do not expect much. But that looked like a disaster when I was yeah. watching it. I'm like, and oh. there is that scene where he's in the woods and there's like spiders coming down. And like, well, we can't have Spider Man, but we have the next best thing, spiders. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, are you kidding me? <laughs> what is happening? Sony, just get, just give it back to Marvel so they can do the right yeah. thing. Marvel could have made an awesome Craven the Hunter movie. But here we are. Uh, yeah. Marvel would have had the first Craven appearance as a villain instead of a standalone movie because we don't need standalone movies for villains. Yeah, that's crazy. And then 10 years later, I would have gotten Craven's Last Hunt, the, pretty much the only Craven story I've really read. Yeah. <laughs> but from what I've told, the best one. Right. And instead, I get this. I don't Whatever know. Whatever this is. Maybe I mean, Spider I, fans are more excited about this than I am, but I just I, I don't. I mean, I've, I've I watched. watched I watched the trailer, and like you said, I have no idea what's happening in the trailer. I yeah. think he's fighting. I think he's fighting gang members or something. I don't. First, he gets bit by a lion. Then he he fights gang members. I don't know how those two things happen, but here we are. Uh, yeah, it's and Russell Crowe. Russell Crowe is just taking paychecks for anything nowadays. I think. Oh yeah, his oh, last yeah. few mu- movies have been like in the hot garbage of like Rotten Tomato scores. <laughs> oh, dude, he's got mortgage payments to make. The yeah, what was the one pre the Priest Exorcist? God, I did not even go see that. What is like, dude? What are you doing, man? What is Russell Crowe doing in a horror movie? Anyways, uh, let's talk about this because I was pleasantly surprised when you texted me about this. I'm actually because I have all next week off to work on uh, home stuff. I'm gonna. I think we're gonna take a day and go like in the middle of the day to a matinee to see this. Uh, Chris saw Indiana Jones: The Dial of Destiny, and I was I was surprised that he liked it. And now I'm gonna like it. So let's hear what you have to say. Yeah, I really liked it. it it's listen. It's a fun Indiana Jones movie, and it doesn't yeah. have all the baggage of having to deal with Shia LaBeouf. Um, <laughs> we dropped the baggage off back in 1984. <laughs> it's not perfect but it's just fun and like mm-hmm. all the characters you want to show up show up it's a it, it's the final story it's the goodbye story you know it's short, it's short round in it no oh my um, god but everybody else is and you said prob- the characters i wanted to show up <laughs> nobody wanted short round to show up except for you yeah right? that's true uh, <laughs> Nobody. Nobody. Wants. Let me just be honest, everybody. Like, I, I'm happy. For, I'm happy for that guy for winning his award yeah, for that movie yeah. and everything. Nobody cared about Short Round before he won that award. Yeah. I'm just being honest with everybody. Yeah, but okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> You're just telling it like it is. Short Round was not the best part of the Indiana Jones movies. <laughs> I don't hate Short Round, but I'm just yeah. like he was there. Okay, yeah, great. They get a new Short Round in this movie. Legitimately, they do. Um, wow. <laughs> Yeah, they they re- <laughs> is he short yeah, rounder? So short round is a black kid. Oh, really? Okay. So there's so he, like um one of his friends like daughter, so his goddaughter, who the the friend you meet in the beginning of the movie, and they mm-hmm. do like the de aging thing, which worked really well. So you get like an old like 1940s 
Indiana Jones fighting Nazis story nice. for the first part of the movie. And then uh, that person's daughter is like his sidekick in this. And she has a like a kid sidekick. Uh, and it's some, some black. I don't remember the kid's name. It's some black kid. So it's kind yeah. of funny to think that way. But everybody that's fantastic. The kid's really cool. She's phenomenal. Uh, Harrison Ford's actually like really likable in this. Mm, awesome. Even though he plays a cranky old man. Dude, that's how he was. I watched Shrinking, I told you, and he's like getting better at acting in this in his seventies now. <laughs> yeah. Uh the action sequences are really fun. I thought I, I like the story. Uh the ending's a little wonky, but you know, whatever. You get past it to the end Jones. Yeah. Um Does so okay, you don't have to spoil anything, but like what I've heard is that this movie is like the goddaughter will be taking up the mantle. Or they rewrite history? Do they rewrite history where she was Indiana Jones the whole time? No, 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 no. Okay, no, that's no, what I, those no. were the rumors that I heard. Okay, they could have her be the new Indiana Jones, like yeah. do another movie with her. Uh huh. I don't know if they're going to. Yeah. But it definitely like it remind. Did you play Uncharted four? No, but I know Uncharted. Well, okay. So spoilers for Uncharted four. The end of that game, like his daughter is in the epilogue okay. and it basically sets up the series to be like his daughter will take over the mantle. Mm-hmm. So whenever we get a new Uncharted game, it's going to be the daughter. This is similar, but it's not as like obvious and blunt. It's one of those things where it's like they could do that. Right. But it's not necessarily 100% that's what they're going to do. I would be okay. shocked they just retire Indiana Jones after this. I thought it was a great send off. Nice. Uh, um, and. I will spoil one thing for everybody because I think it'll drive people to the movie theaters. They kill Shia LaBeouf off off screen. <laughs> really? They literally just say, my son's dead. Moving on. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. Wow. It's, no, it's a little bit more of a touching scene than that, but it's <laughs> it was pretty funny to me. That I'm just like, oh, we just killed that character off screen. Yeah. That's phenomenal because fuck that character. Yeah. Who cares? But, yeah. Who cares? He's gone. Nobody cares. <laughs> uh, yeah. Is it the best Indiana Jones? No, but it's way better than Crystal Skull. And I think it's a fun time. Like, Crystal I think Skull is like, okay, it. until that fucking, until that spaceship starts spinning around. Then you're like, what is happening? <laughs> There's a similar thing here. Yeah. Because like, like I said, the ending, a little weird, but yeah, I don't know. It works enough mm-hmm. that like I didn't, it didn't like ruin the movie for me. Obviously, Crystal Skull's okay, but then like Shia LaBeouf ruins it for me. Yeah, and then we add in aliens. Um, yeah. Oh, and uh, Mickelson. What's his first name? Which one? Uh, Mickelson, the guy who was in Batman. Uh, that plays Alfred. No, no, no. That plays which character? You gotta give me a Batman character. Oh, oh. I'm just gonna look it up. Oh, you mean the uh, Mads Mickelson? Mads Mickelson. He's the villain. Yes. 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 He plays a Nazi in this, dude. And he's he plays such a, a phenomenal good. Nazi. <laughs> Any movie that guy's in, he's gonna be the best character. He's yeah. so good. He wasn't Batman, right? I'm not like imagining Mickelson? that. Uh, no. I'm trying. He was in Casino Royale. Uh, he's in Rogue One. I forgot about that. Yeah, he was in Rogue One. He plays. Uh, he plays the villain. Um, he plays the villain in a lot of stuff. He was also in uh, Death Stranding, the video game. Yep, I remember that. Yeah, he was in the Harry Potter movie, apparently. 
Yeah, he was in the newest. Why did I think he was in Batman he, with... Uh... He plays Grindelwald. He plays the best Grindelwald, I think, out of, in the Harry Potter universe, the Wizarding World universe. Yeah, but he's phenomenal in it, too. So. Yeah. Yeah, I think if you're even slightly an Indiana Jones fan, I think it's worth your time. Nice. I'm in. Let's go. All right, everybody. Speaking of going, let's jump over to this interview with Jason uh, McNamara. And uh, we'll see you on the other side. All right, everybody. We've got another very special guest for you all. I want everyone to welcome to the show, Jason McNamara. Welcome, Jason. Greetings, gentlemen. Thank you for having me. Yeah. It's uh, thanks for being here. And um, while we we won't try to talk too much about horror movies and Halloween, we can spend um, the whole time. All right. All right. We're, that's it. No comics at all. We'll, I guess we'll I'm not are. talking. Yeah, we'll <laughs> see you, Chris. Take off, man. Scram. Um, I'll play with my squirrel girl figure. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> well, uh, <laughs> some people collect serial killer figures. I have my squirrel girl figure. <laughs> Uh, yeah, thanks for being here. It's your first time, so we're going to talk about some fun shit, but first we have to put you through the gauntlet. Um, there's a hazing? The... Yeah, there's a hazing for everybody. Oh, boy. This is uh, awkward. You over take the a years... hot dog and you... No. <laughs> I'm recently <laughs> shaved, so cut loose. <laughs> over the years and many lawsuits later, it's yep. it's been boiled down to just give us your origin story. <laughs> That's it. That's It's not, it's not anything comic crazy comic book origin anymore. story. Yeah. How did you how did you get to comics? So I my father um was a terrible father. And by that I mean he was very irresponsible. We would go to there was a um like a butcher shop in town and we would go there and they had a spinning rack of comics. So he would get pork chops and then I would I would get comics and then he would buy Conan and like Hustler and Penthouse oh, and hell yeah. um Underage grannies, whatever magazines were coming out that month, <laughs> and we would uh, he would Love bring it. me home, and I would he would read comic books to me. That's how I learned how to read was uh, through comic books. And That's also awesome. at that time, um, the the Batman sixty six show when I was a kid was in heavy rotation. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Bill Bixby Incredible Hulk was on uh, rotation oh, on yeah. TV. So my father uh, would always we'd be walking back from the shop, and I would be on his shoulders, and he would say, "Jason, don't turn around." Two faces behind us. He's chasing us, and I go, "Oh shit!" And my dad would break into a run. He's like, "Oh, Two Face gets us. He's gonna cut us into pieces." <laughs> you know? Oh my god! Yeah, yeah. Like, oh no, Two Face was the worst. Sometimes we'd be chased by the Joker or the Penguin, but like Two Face always yeah. scared the shit out of me. So oh, yeah, my dad would be like, "Yeah, we'd be doing something at home," and he'd be like, "Don't look out the window, but Two Face is outside, staring in the window." I'm like, "Oh no, oh, Two Face!" Oh my god. <laughs> yeah, so uh, I blame my dad. He exposed me to that stuff early on. He loved those. Um, savage sort of conan magazines so he would buy those for himself and i would read those and those were great uh, those beautiful painted covers yes. that they had so that was my origin story i learned how to read in comic books and so growing up they were always a part of my life um, i remember big important moments of my life like hitting puberty and when spider-man got the black suit uh, you know all these things are sort of intertwined uh, so i've always been a reader and i've always been um always seen the world through a comic book if that makes sense mm-hmm. so early on i'm counting how many panels are on a page what is happening in the gutter the moment to moment um sequences so then or you know you think about um, a car crash that you might have been in or a marriage or anything and i'm immediately i'm breaking that moment down into a comic book format what's That's on the cool page concept. turn yeah so i've just always been obsessed with that format and that sort of um that kind of storytelling 
And I think as I got older, um, I became less um, just thinking about more like how do we take the world that we live in and talk about things that are going on in our lives, but through the lens of a genre like superheroes or horror or sci-fi, because all of these stories have to be about something. You can't just make comic books because you hate trees. Right. So I think <laughs> spent a lot of time yeah. thinking about and there's a lot of those writers out there. Let me tell you. And there are. And that's, you know, yeah. <laughs> you, you like what you like and you read what you read. And that's fine. Uh, but for yeah, me as no. a storyteller, I want to be examining the world that we live in and delivering it in a way that uh, is accessible to people through mm-hmm. through genre, which I love. Yeah, that's 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 an interesting approach. I never thought about that, like think about everyday life as like a, a comic book panel. But I guess. And when we talk about comic book as a comic books as a medium, um, it's really, I mean, the panels are cinematography in a sense, right? Like you're looking at like where the camera is shooting the scene and, and where it's being placed and things like that. Right. So there's a similarity and there. It's, it's um, story clarity is always key, right? So if you're like, yeah. if this was a, a comic book, be like exterior Jason's house interior Mm -hmm. um full shot of me in relationship to my environment my dogs are here there's a coffee cup over here empty whiskey bottle over there books everywhere uh and then it would be this screen right and then we go to your house and repeat so like do you know when and where you are uh and then and and then you can get into all the other stuff the close-ups and and that's something you got into was screenwriting or Mm -hmm. or teaching when i was a kid or rather when i was a college age human being uh, there were no classes on how to write comic books, right? It was, mm-hmm. wasn't was really that celebrated as an art form. We've all lived long enough now that we've seen this thing that was this niche thing that we loved yeah, become mainstream. Right. Like if you told me as a mm-hmm. kid that Morbius would have his own movie or like Moon Knight would have it, I'd be like, get the fuck yeah. out of here. They, they can't even yeah, make that's a, not happening. They can't make a Punisher movie. Are you kidding me? Right, right. Uh, to see it all become mainstream, we've gone really full circle. But yeah, I grew up on all that. And so what was the question? You asked me a question. Uh, do you do you do script writing or like do you mm. teach that at all or yeah? I do teach comic book script writing. So I studied screenwriting because that was the only thing available to me in short stories, and I applied that to when I started making comics. That was my background, and now I've done it long enough that when there's a school here in town called Pacific Northwest College of Art, it's an art school. They had need for so many of their illustration students want to make comic books, and they, they didn't have someone to teach them how to write for comics. Um, so I was hired to do that and I had to look at my own process because I'd been making comic books since 2003. Um, but I often didn't really realize how I arrived at how I arrived at how I arrived at a finished project. So I had to crystallize my process and then teach it to them. Um, and in doing that, I realized I do have a process for getting a script at like the idea of a script all the way to a finished book that you can then hold in your hands. Right. Right. Um, And I teach them that step by step. And with anything, if they want to adapt it or throw it out completely, that's fine. But I'm telling them, this is how I, this is how I take it, the process, the steps I use. And if you have a better way to do it, go ahead. If not, you can fall back on this. As long as a comic gets made, it's successful. Mm -hmm. What I see, I mean, no, go ahead. ahead. What I see is a lot of people have ideas for comic books, but they don't know how to finish it. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, Right. And I'm, yeah, I'm up with the opinion that books should be made quickly. Like if you have an idea, get it out as quick as you can, because there's another idea behind there waiting to get out. Ideas are like rabbits. They're just going to keep, <laughs> keep making books. You're going to keep yeah. having ideas until you have so many ideas that you might not get them all out in your lifetime, which is a good problem to have. Wow. That's interesting. Chris is like, I'm going back to writing right after. Some wise <laughs> words. Yeah. <laughs> 
he's like, shit, what about I've only had issue two. I got to make more. Uh, Can we get the, the, the master class just right here? Just go ahead and teach. Um, yeah, there you go. That'd be awesome. Like a TED You talk. do that for free, right? That's nice. Yeah. yeah. I, do, I do just about but, everything for free. Oh, there you go. <laughs> I make comics. That's for free. Yeah. Uh, is, is lesson one. Like, if you don't love this shit, then please leave. Because yeah. if you don't love it, there's no way you're going to make it. Yeah. I, even, I hear that a lot in this industry. Even if you love it, you're not going to make it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. You need a little more than that. I think, well, what's your metric of success in making it? Did you make a book that you're super proud of and that you love? Then you're a fucking millionaire. Like, yeah. You did something most right. people can't do and you're happy with it. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Then you're a success. Um, That's true. Do you need someone else's logo on your book to feel successful? I mean, it might help when it comes time to pay the rent or the mortgage. Um, even then, probably not. Yeah, yeah even right. then, probably not. Yeah, depending on who you go with. So um, you, you talked about a, what, a novella that you wrote. Um, and I, I know your book, Past Tense, that we're going to talk about here, is more of a thriller. And uh I know you're a horror fan, obviously, by the the posters behind you. So when did that all come up? Can we, let's talk about that before we talk about what we're really here for. So Horror. I, yeah. I mean, I told you about that bad dad of mine, right? He would also yeah, right. take me to horror movies. <laughs> like, whatever, oh, he, awesome. was, whatever yeah. he was seeing, I was seeing. So I saw Halloween 2 in theaters. I remember seeing... Amazing. I, I remember seeing Children of the Corn and thinking it was terrifying. And now I watch it oh, and yeah. think this is... This is not it's hilarious. Yeah, it's not. Yeah. It's not a great movie. It's a great concept. Yeah. yeah. Um, all the Friday Thirteenth I saw in theaters. Chud I saw in theaters. Chud. Chud. Wow. Um, just all these inappropriate things. So it's always been a part of my life, and I loved to read as a kid. So my dad was like, "Oh, you love horror? Uh, here, read these true crime books." I would get like these Anne Rule books. I was like seven or eight. Yeah, and, and I'm reading about like how this guy hit a body and got caught, and <laughs> I remember thinking like, God, these guys are so dumb; they keep getting caught. Yeah, um, so I always had just dark sensibilities. I guess I, I liked the to know that there was evil in the world. Um, sort of fascinated me that I could pass someone on the street and not know that they were a killer or that they had some sort of dark secret. Um, that it's it, that it's among us and that we live with it and that we can sort of learn to live with it. I think is really interesting. And then our minds doesn't break from the sheer amount of evil in the world. Yeah, it's it's almost been there, but yeah. but, um, um, but early on, like Michael Myers is always like I'm a Halloween fanatic. I think we talked about yes. this briefly off the yeah. air. Um, I was always convinced this guy was like just outside in the hallway or like just yeah. behind oh, yeah. the shower curtain, or like, right. he's in the driveway, and if I turn around, he's going to be there uh, because because he's silent uh, and just yeah. sort of visually iconic. You can assign him a lot of traits that just aren't there. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, right. It's, it's, a, right. It's a malleable uh, apparition. Yeah, that's true. A, a, a source of figurement. Whereas, like, talky characters, they, they can wear you out. They uh, right. dispel the mystery, right? Like Freddy Krueger by, by number five. It's his Vegas Freddy at that point. Yeah, you're like, <laughs> yeah, hey, I'm here. Oh, my God. I got a better idea, kids. It's the Roach Motel. Yeah. <laughs> Um, exactly. Like, number three is perfect. Dream Warriors. I saw that in theaters. I had the novelization. Yeah. I loved novelizations when I was a kid. We talked about this. So I'm gonna mm-hmm. Halloween three novelization. I've had this since yeah. 1983. That's amazing. Um, yeah. I didn't the even Nightmare on Elm that. Street uh, novelizations. Like it wasn't enough just to see the movies. Like I, I want to really spend a lot more time with Freddy. Yeah, you wanted to just get intimate with that with that burn um, victim pedophile. Like you know. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> have at it uh so 
yeah, I would love to jump in here because you brought up Halloween three. Yeah. Mm. And when I was doing my research on you, um, right on your website, you write that your dream project is to write the graphic novel sequel to Halloween three season of the witch. Yep. hundred percent. I'm not the big horror guy here. I watch very minimal horror, but But he knows that one, but I know Halloween somewhat, especially those early movies. And I know that that one's the one that everybody hates. So what is it about that movie? And, uh, that, you like so much that you'd want to do that. So I, I love the entire Halloween series. I love everything John Carpenter has ever touched, mm-hmm. with the exception of maybe okay. Ghost of Mars. But there yeah, is an opportunity tough. in Halloween 3 because it is like this thrown away installment. Um, but it is still a beautiful movie. Like Dean Cundy is the director of photography on here. Hollow, uh, Carpenter does the score with Alan Haworth. It is still a beautiful looking movie. It does still create a vibe. Um, the problem with the movie is tonally it is whiplash inducing. It starts off as like camp and then you've got a child's head that's caving in and it's dealing with fears of the time and sort of a chalky way. You've got like t- technology is going to kill us. Right? Computer chips are evil. They're all going to, our downfall is going to be computers. But then there's also Stonehenge and then there's consumerism and then there's a jingle and then there's like a sex addicted doctor, maybe a detective. And then you've got a young lady who um, is looking for her father, but then she finds this creepy old doctor and they immediately go to pound town and, and it's just like all over the map. And the, the mystery of itself is sort of, they're going to investigate a, a mask factory, the night of Halloween. And these masks are going to kill everybody. Um, but for some reason, that factory is still making masks as if there's going to be a big demand uh, right. on November 1st the after yeah. half the population in the world has been killed by these masks. Uh, it's It's got this like sort of wry... The guy who plays Cochrane is so wry and has like a sense of humor. He knows what movie he's in. Right. Very few people in the movie know what movie they're in. It also rips off uh, Invasion of the Body Snatchers at the end when uh, so there's some clunky things, but you could streamline that movie really simply by having that factory, Silver Shamrock, I should have worn my Silver Shamrock shirt, uh, yeah, no, making the Michael Myers mask. That could just be one of the masks that they make. Because right. in the very first Halloween, he does pull that mask off a shelf. Like it's a store-bought mask. Yeah. It's not something he made yeah. at a Crafts and Fair thing. Um, it was just a convenience thing. The same with the jumpsuit that he steals off the mechanic. It was just a convenience he wasn't dreaming of being a gas station attendant all those years uh, in the nut bin. But then every movie after that, they have to recreate those circumstances, even though they were just happenstance really to him. What was important right. was that he was hiding his face. Right. So there's an opportunity yeah. to tie it into the mythology um, without Michael having to be there. This is just a side story, not in Haddonfield. And you could update that. So what are our modern fears today? Um, technology is still a fear today. Uh, the yep. apps are a big fear today. Uh, big companies are still a big fear today. So I think you could take the mechanism, instead of having a TV commercial that airs at 8 o'clock, despite the time zones, and hope all these kids watch it with their masks and their computer chips, just make it an app. It could, could, be, it could be through the lens of something like TikTok. Mm-hmm. Right? And, but now you bring in the supernatural, there's a Sam Hain element to it. And mm-hmm. if you could do it in graphic novel format... Uh, Cochran, the, who was also the old man of RoboCop, right? Like he had a great career in the eighties. He was just like this yeah. evil, evil old man, evil businessman. Yeah, um, yeah, he was great at that. Yeah. So instead of season of the witch, it's season of the warlock. I mean, that's what a male witch is. 
or you could do Halloween three, uh, 3.2 and just make it about an app and how, you know, kids now, they can't get their faces out of a phone. Whereas in the eighties, they couldn't get their face out of um, a television. Yeah. And then you just do uh, a bunch of blow and you write the script and it's done. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That's an easy, that's an easy win right there. Because clearly that's what was going on in the eighties when they made that script. Right. Oh, hell yeah. You can tell uh, I'm doing wrong with my writing all these years. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Chris is taking more blow. (laughs) Clearly uh, a middle-aged man wrote that script because this guy goes out. Women are, he's, like yeah. gross, he's drunk, he's drinking Schlitz, like everywhere. Yeah. He's always got oh, a six yeah. pack in his hand, and women yeah. are just constantly like, Are you ever gonna call me? Yeah, yeah. they're, they're like, like all over him. It's like, Wow, it's that e- is it that easy? Wow. And then this woman is half his age who is looking for her daddy, finds him instead, and is like, Where do you want to sleep, Dr. Chalice? Yeah, and just like, like oh God, he looks like an ashtray, <laughs> like threw up on an ashtray. <laughs> so that's I like, love it. Yeah, so you can feel the author's intent in there. Um, yeah. Right. So my intent would be do something similar. Don't try and make it super serious. Um, have some fun with it. But I also think you could do a requels. Tom Atkins is still alive. He's still working. I was at the Halloween um, 40th anniversary thing, and he does tours. You can go to that bar that he drank at with him and have a drink with him. Oh, wow. That's so funny. So take advantage That's of that. That's amazing. And have him be yeah. in, a, in a nut house. And maybe you end the first one where he's screaming on the phone, turn it off. Maybe they did turn it off. Maybe that commercial didn't run and he did save the day. And now the Silver Shamrock company has morphed into something else and they're going to do it again. But this time it's yeah. the apps. Oh, that would be amazing. Yeah. And I, I as, a, as a kid watching that movie... And I, I mean, now when I see, it, I can't, I can never get that like the song, the jingle out of my head from the commercial. Yeah, don't, that don't put it in my head. I'm not, I'm not going to do it. <sighs> okay. but I was like, oh my god. Um, but um, and I'll say this: you've you've created a beautiful segue for your book, Past Tense, because that's something that deals with uh, a futuristic or like a sci-fi twist on the thriller, right? You have mm-hmm. people peering at events uh, going on throughout our past history. So um, I guess we could just start there and yeah. give us the, give us the rundown of that. Cause that does sound really interesting. Okay. So past tense is about uh, a young lady named Ashley and she works at a company called past tense. And what they do is they send camera drones into the past to view history as it actually occurred, not to change the past, but to view it an unfiltered view uh, of history. Right. All of our uh, mysteries of, the, of, of time are now revealed. We can see the Big Bang. We can see the crucifixion. Um, but mostly people use the service just to creep on women in the past. So we're looking at like the Black Dahlia murders. They want to see Sharon Tate get killed by Manson. They want to see um, who the Zodiac Killer was. They want to see who Jack the Ripper was. They just want to find the most grisly things they could find in history mm-hmm. um, to view. And the biggest thing that you can find in this job, Ashley is always looking for an exclusive. That is something horrible that happened in history that no one's even found yet. It's almost like she's fishing oh. throughout history. Like, what's the thing that I can sell to my customers they can't find anywhere else? Right. Uh, and what she finds is an unknown serial killer working in the past. And she upsells this to her clients. Um, what she doesn't realize is that that killer is still alive in the present and doesn't like his crimes being exposed. And he wants to make Ashley his final victim now and forever. Uh, And it may seem like I'm giving a lot away, but that's really like the first 20 pages. And then it just continues to evolve uh, and change. There's a lot of twists and turns uh, that go on in this, in the story. Out of the 112 pages. So it's quite a bit of story in the graphic novel there. Uh, Yeah. It's, it's it's dense and hopefully um, 
well, hopefully at the end you have a it leaves you with something to think about. I hope on the last page, if mm-hmm. I did my job right. So it should entertain that, you. It should take you on a thrill ride, but it also should tell you something about the world that we live in. Right, and that's like an interesting approach. I mean, with the science fiction of like, yeah, you could go back and view the past, but people just want to watch bad shit happen. You know? Yeah, I think yeah. that's really what we would use it for because I see how we right. use technology today, and right. very little of it is to better ourselves. Right, it's to indulge yeah. the darkest impulses, and even you can low key um, stalk and stalk someone from your past. Like, who'd you go to high school with? Just right. find them on Facebook. Oh, they got kids. Yeah, oh, they, they got fat, or they went bald, or whatever. And then you piece it yeah. out. But if you could extrapolate that to the ninth degree and just send a camera back through time and be like, let's just follow them around one day. Wow. Right. I mean, you could also yeah. see the night you were conceived. Like, there's so many different things that you can do. <laughs> sending that camera in the back. Uh, sold. Sold. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna ask Mike. Yeah, what would you go back and see? Yeah, I don't know. I'm like, if, if I could go back and see anything, oh man, that's a tough one. I would. I don't know. I don't know what I'd want to see. Maybe I'd want to see like Stonehenge being held built because, like, how the hell did they do that? You know, because yeah. everybody's like, no. we don't know how, stuff in history that they don't know how it ha- like the pyramids. How do they do it? Like, I don't know. I'll just go back and watch it. There you go. <laughs> like, yeah. answer solved. Uh, and there's so or maybe many something to deal with, like something to deal with, like that ancient alien shit. To be like, was it real? Like, you know, is it... <laughs> yeah, I don't know. That I mean, what about you guys? What would what would you, I mean for you, Jason? What would you go back and see? I'm obsessed with true crime. Uh, okay, yeah, and, and it's always like if we could just view it. If there was just like a a video camera on the street when the Zodiac right. was working or Jack. Oh yeah, like, yeah. Who were these people? We have so many. Um, you know, ideas of who it could be, but we don't know for sure. So I would love to know. Uh, and there's just so many mysteries throughout time. Yeah. They're like, oh, yes. I will never know. I hate an unsolved mystery. You told me this great story and it doesn't have an ending. Right. Yeah. So, I, used to, Stonehenge, I used to love Stonehenge unsolved is mysteries. The, is the good answer. Yeah, right. Me, yeah. It would be like the Black Dahlia murder. Like, oh, yeah. Who did? I was yeah, say, yeah. I read all about the Black Dahlia murder back in high school. And like the fact that there's no conclusion to that story really frustrates me. Right. Yeah. Or like the Zodiac killer. Yeah. yeah. Um, if I was to do it though, like I, I would like to say like, it would be some historical moment, especially in us history, like to go back and see what they lived like or something with the revolutionary war or whatever. Uh, but I'm going to give the answer that is more me and that's who actually killed JFK. Yes. I'd want to be in that moment. Yeah. Yeah. That's an interesting one. But we look at the Zapruder film, right? Like we've scrutinized that. What if we could have a thousand Zapruders that day? Right. Camera at every possible angle. You could put the camera anywhere you want. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Jack Ruby. And I, and I, I think it's funny too, like from a philosophical, philosophical standpoint, um, like pertaining to your book, people would see that as like taboo, like going back in time and witnessing these murders. But it's like, we've made so many recreations and movies about that. And like, when you watch the movie and these brutal scenes, like how is that any different than like, I mean, the recreations and everything than like putting a camera back in time and viewing it. You know what I mean? Like there's arguing. Okay. Yeah. Look at every housewife in America right now watching true TV. Oh yeah. Like, like yeah, there you go. Like the the real housewives showed all that crap. Oh my god. Not even that. It... No, I mean the the true crime stuff. Like oh, dude, my crime. mother, yeah. if I go over to my parents' house, my mother is probably sitting there watching a thing about how some guy murdered somebody and whether they got away with it or not. Like and now she tells you don't go outside. <laughs> <laughs> and that's yeah. so many like yeah, 
women my age and older, yeah, that's what they're doing. So yeah. I, I completely agree that that's what people would do if they could have this technology, mm-hmm. especially yeah. women. I mean, yeah. I'm sure there's men too, but it yeah, seems yeah. something about women that like they dream. I'll never, about killing I'll never all forget of us. the like. I'll never forget <laughs> the thing we found out about the um, our comic book shop. You, do you know the the book Crossed? Yes, uh, Jason. So I remember like we we would like pick up the issue Cross and be like. You know, we, we read The Walking Dead and all this brutal shit. And then it's like, there's a line, though, that we and it crossed, you know, is that line we won't cross. But I remember our comic book shop owner, he was our buddy, was like, oh, you know, the, the number one uh, uh, demographic for that book in this store is, is women. And we were like, wow, really? Like, <laughs> I don't know what it was that, like, brought them to that book of like, oh, it's just brutal and like no holds barred and it was like but we uh, like uh, chris and i were like i don't think i could ever read that book it's a little too far oh i don't think i was a part of that conversation because i read you read it oh i never read it yeah i know i I couldn't do it i I didn't um, i didn't love it um yeah i think i like the walking dead it's a a little bit it goes up to a line but it doesn't cross it it's more about creating suspense and atmosphere making you uncomfortable uh whereas crossed is really it goes for it it doesn't hold back yeah it's just like oh the entire premise across is how fucked up can we be? Yeah. And there's something it. about that, that clicked with me. That yeah. I really liked. Yeah. So I would, I would wonder like for past tense, how much does one charge for an ex- Cause I, I paid for a ghost tour when I went to Savannah, but like how much would it, how much would you charge for this tour? I would think it based in the, in, in the world, I would think it's very expensive. So you're spending uh, six minutes at a time in the past. You've got to get the coordinates and in the book, it's usually people well off are using it, like uh, ultra wealthy or yeah, something. I would say like ten. It would probably to our equivalent would be like ten thousand dollars. Okay, to spend six yeah. minutes viewing the past. And I also set it up that there are probably other companies that are doing this. There's probably a few companies okay. doing this because mm-hmm. we mentioned one called Faithful Perspectives, and I'm assuming oh, wow. they would more um, focus on religious experiences, right? Like they they're, okay. they're going to tour you yeah. around all the landmarks that are going to reinforce your faith. Um, but the other yeah. thing that you mentioned is is we could show people a camera of what happened in the past footage and they could still be like, but I don't believe it. Yeah. Right. right? Exactly. Like, so what yeah, is yeah. your perception of reality? Because right. we all had in this day and age, we all have multiple realities, multiple choice reality. Mm-hmm. Like, what do you want to believe? Whatever you want to believe. Right. Some guy's going to sell it to you on YouTube. Right. Well, that'd be interesting too. Like if you have like a, you know, uh, a company that's solely based on religion that it's like, well, you could go back and witness one murder or with the Dahlia murders, or you could go back and watch the Crusades and watch them murder, you know, thousands and thousands up to millions of people. <laughs> yeah, I'm so sure they're more focused on like the resurrection. Yeah, or... <laughs> but, but then, who knows? They might not want to show people some of those events just by how they were, you know, how they've been like extrapolated over time and things like that. It's like, what do you want to show people? Um, yeah, that's 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 an interesting concept for sure. And it and it's interesting that it's like a lot of these sci-fi stories, they always take it further. Like you're you're okay, you go back in time and you can mess everything up. This is like so harmless and it's like you're just viewing in the past, right? Mm-hmm. So just just something that simple and then like how does that change people? Like right? what do you see so in the past? And also yeah. if you're looking fifty so there's a barrier in the book. I say you have to look fifty years or further for privacy reasons, right? Because nobody wants to see what you did last night. Right. right. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but it's it's short enough of a window that let's say you're an old person and your child was abducted or went missing. You could eventually see what happened to them. Oh, okay. Um, but um, what was I going to say? What did you ask me? 
the uh, just the fact of like you're you're not going back and changing the past. You're just you're just oh, right. seeing it. Yeah. So there's also this idea that if we can look 50 years in the past, is someone in the future watching us now? And are we ever alone, really? That's a good concept. Yeah, because now you're almost creating like a loop. Yeah, like, so oh, you're watching. You're, past, lo- yeah. you're looking in the past, going, "Ah, oh, look, look what those guys did." You know? Yeah, and right. Then you're picking your nose in your car, being like, "Wait, is, is there someone here?" Wait, is someone actually watching me too? Uh-huh. Yeah, so that's sort of what I did with Ashley, the, the main character of this book. She's forced to be in a world that is overpopulated. She's uh, economically challenged. She's got to share this tiny little, uh, almost like a phone, uh, like a closet of a bedroom with someone else. Uh, she's put in a really tough situation. So she's trying to upsell uh, Silas Green, the serial killer's crimes, to get herself out of the situation, her and her grandmother out of the situation. Um but she's also aware that, like, is she ever really alone, right? Like, so we're almost always constantly invading her privacy and putting her on edge and making her a survivor of this world. And can't you stay one step ahead of this evil that she's found and brought forth? So Yeah, it's interesting. It, yep, go ahead, Chris. I was just going to say, uh, the book's coming out next week, and obviously you, you're the writer of the book, but it's a comic, so there's more people involved in it. I would love to hear more about your creative team, uh, how they enhance the story or how you guys got together. Any of the cool stories about the creative team. So the book is illustrated by Alberto Masayagi and colored by Paul Little. Um, And our friend Sonia Harris helped us out a little bit with uh, the design on the cover. She did the logo. She's great. Um, Alberto and Paul and I had worked on uh, a comic book miniseries called The Cicada a few years ago. And we had a lot of issues with that book that were not involved, did not involve the creative team. So I always thought that I owed it to those guys to give them a, a smooth experience because I really did enjoy working with them. And I thought we elevated each other in ways that were surprising and fun, which is always the best part of a collaboration, right? You trust people to uh, interpret your work and tell it in their own voice and style. So when I had pitched the book to Dark Horse, they approved it before it had an artist. And then I put a couple of names in front of them, but Alberto was the top of the list and they loved Alberto's stuff. So we got him on board. Um, And as far as collaborating with him, I do write full scripts, but I also say, if you have a better idea, do it. Don't even ask me, just go for it. Um, This this had a lot of moving parts, but you want people to bring what you're working with Alberto because he's Alberto, right? I don't want him to do an impression of me. I want him to do an impression of Alberto and adapt what I'm telling him. It's like a game of telephone, right? Like you tell a story to someone that evolves and changes. It's the same thing in a collaboration. So I told my story in a full script to Alberto. He makes the art and gives it back to us, to Paul and I, and Paul's coloring it. And then because his work is so, his storytelling is so good and it makes me feel so tense and I get into his work and his pages, he creates such a mood that when I'm lettering the book and adding my dialogue, I'm changing almost all of the dialogue to better suit what he did. Um, Because I wrote that dialogue before there was art. And now that I see the art, I'm like, some of this is redundant. You don't need it. Some of it, uh, his his body language and facial grammar is covering that. So let's take that out. And then are we, can you follow the story? So I want to do as minimal amount of of writing on the page as possible and let the art breathe and tell the story because he's so good at that. And Paul is really good at reinforcing that with his color choices. Um, So I hope to continue to work with these guys. with Alberto and Paul, we all get along really, really well. And that's the thing. One of the things about being a freelancer or a creative, there's, there's three things that they say you should have. 
And the first is talent. And, you know, we either have it or we don't. You can meet your deadlines, which is something we can absolutely uh, have control over. And you can be uh, pleasant to work with, easy to work with. And they say you need two of those three. So if you ever read a comic book or any piece of art and you thought, well, this writer isn't really good. Why do they keep getting work? You know for sure they met their deadlines and they're pleasant to work with. Alberto actually meets all three. We never had to wait for Alberto. I mean, we waited for him for his schedule to be open because I wanted him. Meets his deadlines. He's really great to work with, really collaborative. Um, Making comics can be hard if you don't abandon your ego because it's not about you. It's about the end product and what you experience as a reader. When you pick up the book, are you getting the experience that all of us work together to generate? Um, I don't need to get my way as a writer. Um, If I can take out some of my dumb, dumb words, awesome. And your art can tell the story, great. Um, So one of the best visuals that we got out of the book, there's a splash page. Um, I'm going to grab the book. It's right here. There is a a splash page towards the end of the book that was adapted from what I wrote. I had written a piece and we do a little in the back of the book. We have a, uh, like a making of section and I had written it one way and Alberto was just like, Hey, you know, I got this other idea. And I was like, do it, do it, please. Like you're the artist. Like I have an idea of visual solutions and he ended up making the best books, the best sequence, the entire book was because I got out of his way. That's awesome. And just supported him because he's my partner. And if creative relationships are like any other relationship, you just have to be, unrelentingly supportive for them to work. You can't blink. You can't hold back. You just say, we're partners in this. And if you see a certain way, let's do it. The answer is always yes. Um, as long as the story is under, like all the, it's a thriller and a mystery. So there's some clues that definitely have to be dialed in. But outside of that, we give each other a lot of free reign. Uh, and I love working with him. Yeah. And I would like to work with him. Um, we, we're talking about doing something more in the noir realm next time. And I would love to just do a book with him that maybe has like three panels on a page and just really lets it breathe. Um, Because this is a sci-fi book and there's a lot of uh, details we have to get across, it has a running narration throughout it. So there is um, quite a few caption boxes on some of the pages. I would love to do a piece with him where we took all of that out and we just let him breathe, almost like a Western or a noir piece that is like really dark, shadows, heavy inks. And we let him go because he really, really excels in that space. So that's the collaboration. We just like working together. The email chains are always popping off. I still hear from him. I still hear from Paul. Like um, we just like working together. And when you can find those people, it's really, um, it just takes flight in a way that's easy. Like this was the easiest book I've ever worked on. I mean, it's work. I lettered it. um, I wrote it and we shepherded it with, with Dark Horse and my editor there. We shepherded it through, but it was always in motion. I never had any problems. And the team is always supportive and lovely to one another. So it was a luxurious and experience. I love I love Alberto's art, and I could see that being uh, his style working for a noir book too. But um, yeah, if anybody's interested in seeing the art, you could actually, if it's on Amazon, you could just click on it and take a look at the first like ten pages or so are there, and it's it's really good stuff. I think it flows nicely. Yeah, uh, he really creates a mood. Story. Like I yeah, just feel, for sure. and because we're putting people through horrible events, mm-hmm. I, I I don't have like a visceral approach. I love horror, but I am more in the Hitchcock Carpenter realm than mm-hmm. I am in like Saw or Hostel or something like. I get that too from the book. I do I do see that you know 
like the it's not you don't need the gruesomeness in your face <laughs> no but All that's the, yeah. we, if, we're, if we're relying on that then we are actually perpetuating the very thing that we're critiquing in past tense right if people mm, are using technology right. to exploit um the most vulnerable among us we can't then just do a book about like chopping women to bits yeah right exactly that. yeah um, yeah that makes sense yeah and i think it's kind of a part two to that question uh the book's coming out from dark horse mm -hmm. so I, I have you worked with dark horse before if not how'd you kind of uh hook up with them for this uh book so i had not worked with dark horse before i, I started in 2020 2003 and i've largely self-published or gone with small publishers like ait planet lar I had a book called The Rattler that I'm super proud of that came out from Image in 2016. It was another graphic novel. So, but again, I don't wait for opportunities to come to me. I make my own opportunities. And if we can work with a publisher or a larger dis distributing agent, great. Um, I'm always open to that. I don't have to go my own way, but I'm also not going to stand still and wait for someone to say, Jason, we're giving you permission to do what you love. Like I'm doing what I love no matter what. Um, but I had in, been introduced to Brett at past tense. I'm sorry, Brett Israel at dark horse through, uh, someone that he had worked with my friend, Justin Greenwood, just unsolicited said, Hey, I think you two uh, would get along great. I think you two might make, uh, you know, might have something in common. So I sent Brett three pitches, three quick pitches. And that is a pitch with like an elevator pitch is three sentences. So I said, these are three things that I've been working. I'm thinking of working on. And he picked past tense out of the three. I, of course, had an outline ready to go. So he could see I had control over the story from beginning to end. An outline, this is like a page and a half. It's almost like just this is how the story flows. This is how it ends. And an editor, a gatekeeper, a producer, anyone who's going to invest time and energy and money in your project needs to understand that you know your project from beginning to end. And it can change. And it does change a little bit. As you script it out, you discover things about the characters in the world that just aren't going to be in the outline. You, the outline doesn't solve everything, but it's got the flow of the story. Um, and he liked it, and then it got approved, and we've been uh, off to the races. That's awesome. Yeah, and Great they've been uh, really supportive and great. Um, very, you know, they just liked the project from, from the get-go. There wasn't a whole lot of changes in the process. They liked what they liked the book. Great. That's awesome. Yeah. That'd be cool if you work with them in the future too. Um, you know, the relationship's good, but the, the bear, the hard truth is like, you have to make people money, right? Yeah. Like, it doesn't true. matter. You're a nice right. guy. It doesn't matter. You're a nice guy. You do good work. That's great. But you know, you have to sell books and you have to make money and then they'll bring you back and you can continue to do that. And that's just the business of comics. It's the business of everything. Right. Mm -hmm. So if I'm back on but, Kickstarter for a couple of years, that's okay. I'm going to be telling the stories I want to tell the way I want to tell them. And um, I hope I get to work with Dark Horse again because it was a great experience. Yeah, yeah, it was a conversation I had with somebody a few weeks ago on the show where one of the fortunate, unfortunate, however you want to look at it, realities of this business is creators got to go out there and make money for people. And if they're not doing it, then they'll find someone who will. And yeah, <sighs> there is legwork put involved in it. Like you just yeah. can't like having that logo on the book is going to move copies. But it's not going to oh, be yeah, all of sure. them. You've got to put yourself out there and do a lot of the legwork. You know, Dark Horse is a big company, but comics, comic companies on their own are usually pretty small in the grand scheme of companies, yep. right? So are you a good partner to them? Are you rewarding their investment in you by putting some legwork in and talking about the book? Or are you just sitting back and waiting for the sales to roll in? And I love well, this book. I'll talk about this book every day for the rest of my life because I'm I was going to say, I think... Proud of it. <laughs> I think today is a testament yeah. to if you want to talk about the book, right? 
Uh, and that being said, I mean, do you have like, I know this is a volume, this is, well, it's not a technically a volume one, it is all, all in one story here, it's a graphic novel, but would do you see yourself writing more within this universe or I have would, you had other ideas? The way I did pitch, I pitched it initially to Dark Horse is like, if this is successful, we can continue to do uh, stories in this world. Self-contained. I love self-contained books. I want to pick up a graphic yeah. novel, have a beginning, middle, and end, and put it down and be complete. Um, right. Especially in the indie world, I've been taught, and I've seen this time and time again, you can start a book, but how many indie books, like if it's a 24-part miniseries, how far are they really going to get in there? Right. I'll make it one or two, yeah. and then it peters off. And then like I'm invested, it goes nowhere. I want someone to know you get the whole thing. So I'm always making graphic mm-hmm. novels, uh, a finite story. I can control the pacing. I can make it like a, a really tight beginning, middle, and end. That said, Ashley's story is concluded in past tense. This is a standalone volume. gives you everything you need for the world. Uh, yep. If possible, I would love to go back and do different stories with this mechanism. Because the idea of sending camera drones into the past and seeing something you shouldn't is such a... like Everyone on this call could take that concept and do something radically different with it. It doesn't have to be a slasher. It doesn't have to be a killer story. Um, we could talk about any number of things uh, using this mechanism. Uh, as long as it says something about the world that we live in today, I think it's ripe for ex- it's rife for exploration. Got to hydrate, Mackie. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, I, uh, I just hearing that like goes through my brain of like what the political spy thriller of it could be, a genre I really like. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And going back to my idea of going back to see JFK die, like there's so many ways you could take that world and just bend it and do something mm-hmm. different with it. Or who was yeah, assassinated really cool. that you don't even know was assassinated. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Or like who, who in your, Oh, they fell out of a window. No, they didn't. Yeah. <laughs> do you have an uncle? Is there something in your own family? That's a mystery that you can oh, unravel. Yeah, true. yeah. So who, who did eat the last hot dog at the barbecue <laughs> at the last supper <laughs> at the last supper? Oh yeah. True. It yeah. was you Judas. <laughs> yeah, it was you. <laughs> oh man. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, I, Jason, I really appreciate you taking the time to of chat course. with us. Um, Obviously, you know, people, you can all pre-order this book at your local comic shop. It is on Amazon, but, you know, we always are out there to support local comics. Uh, um, I would love it if you told your retailer you wanted a copy. Yes. Uh, because if you tell yes. your retailer you want a copy, uh, they're more likely to order a copy for the shelf as well. Because now you've put it on their radar. radar. So almost if you exactly. tell your retailer, you're almost ordering two copies mm. for Old that's Maggie. A good, that's, a, that's a good way to think um, about it. And Plus, you're supporting a local comic shop. Yes, supporting a local right. comic shop, and every copy sold keeps me off the street. But more yeah, importantly, it keeps me off your street. Yo, nice, <laughs> nice. That's great. Yeah, that's that's a sl- that's a great slogan. Put it on the book. Uh, <laughs> buy copies so I don't murder you. No, um, yeah, that's this, I'm excited for it. Uh, I'm I'm definitely checking this one out. And uh, I sent you guys I a copy, did it. I not? Yeah. No. No, I didn't, I didn't see one in the drive. What? No, what? I'm the worst. I, guest I was you've just going to buy had. it. So well, now you don't have to. It's all right. You're going to miss out on the sale if you send us I need, one. So I'll buy guys, it. I need that sale. Oh, yeah, it's all right. <laughs> hey, it's all good. Um, I'm shocked. I'm a terrible guest. I thought I sent it to him. It's he okay. might have, and I might have uh, missed it. But oh, usually Chris will, will defuse yeah, it. To me. I, I 100% sent that. it to you on June 11th. 4.05 a.m. Uh, see? I'm a space cadet, everybody. I told I'm you. I'm just working with these preview pages over here. I could have <laughs> I could have read the book by now. It's all right. 
I'll, I'm going to read it after this for sure. Awesome. Um, I'm never yeah, giving it to him just so he has to buy one. Yeah, that's why he didn't send it to me. Yeah. But uh, if our listeners and our viewers want to follow you and all the stuff you're doing, uh, do you have any social media you want to pimp out? Oh, them? my lordy, Lou. I'm on Twitter. Uh, I'm still there. Oh, right. I'll be probably the last person on there. Uh, <laughs> at Jason. I feel like we say that every week. We're all, we're, we're all still Hanging there on. for how long? We don't the know. last yeah. tooth in my rotten jaw. Uh, yep. At Jason McNamara on Twitter. But I also have um, Instagram. I'm Ramonesome. I'm a big Ramones fan. And you can go to my website, politestrangers.com, where uh, I sell copies of my work and keep you up to date on what I'm doing and have a little blog. Uh, right now, there's a piece on Halloween 2 you might want to read if you're into horror. A little essay on Halloween 2 and how I'd rewrite it. The 1981 nice. version of Halloween 2. Nice. Nice. And to everybody out there listening and or watching, I will have those links in the show notes down below to Jason's website to the previous catalog so you can even get that little number to give to your retailer so you can make it even easier on them to order a copy for you or if you're one of those unlucky souls that doesn't have a local comic shop the link to the amazon so you can just pick up copy through that jason thank you so much for taking the time today thank you uh, we friends. really appreciate it likewise yeah, thank you. and we look forward to next time praise the dark lord hell yeah and we're back hey so uh, check out Past Tense, the graphic novel coming out, um, Dark Horse. It's going to be good stuff. The darkest of horses. The darkest of horses. So we got some comic book news now, folks. Yep. Everybody ready for, ready for some comic news? Ready to drink some fucking caffeine because it's going to get real boring. Yeah. I mean, comics. Comics. <laughs> um, I did read a lot of comics this week, too, so we'll talk about that in a bit. Marvel revealed a new Werewolf by Night one-shot coming this fall from writer Derek Landry, artist Fran Gallen, Landy, sorry. This oversized one-shot will be a black-and-white comic that reunites Werewolf by Night with Elsa Bloodstone. Chris, I know you've been waiting for that reunite, re, uh, I don't know, reunion. I do like Elsa Bloodstone, I'll say that. But. Oh, really? I have no idea who that character is. Uh, you would like Elsa. It's uh, She's a monster yeah. hunter. Oh, okay. I was gonna say, was she like a like a Van Helsing? Okay. Yeah, basically. That's like cool. female Van Helsing, but she has like, like powers that involve. Um. Yeah. I. I can't get it up for Werewolf by Night. I'm sorry. Yeah. Was, they really. You, you got those. me for the one shot Marvel Studios. Yeah. That was fun. You gave me Man Thing. I, I, I can't do comics on that. Yeah. Marvel announced this week that Yelena Belova is back and getting her own limited series titled White Widow. This series will come from writer Sarah Gailey and artist Alessandro Miracolo. And White Widow Yelena will have to learn how to become her own hero in the shadow of her past and her sister, the Black Widow. So I don't believe the Black Widow book was very strong when it was coming out because it it ended, right? I mean, it wasn't... Black Widow has its audience and yeah. definitely enough to like hold a book, just not for very long. Yeah, and maybe... I can't imagine, like, did they announce that this is that's a limited series? Okay, well, at least that's good. Yeah, I mean, she's going to be in um, Thunderbolts, the movie, so I guess. The only thing that would, <laughs> the only thing that, like, remotely gets me wanting to read this is the idea that maybe I could have uh, Florence uh, Poos, Poogs. Pew? I don't know, sorry, last name. Pew? I think it's Pew. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, to have her voice in my head because something about that voice in that movie just 
does something for me, Mike. I don't know what it is. <laughs> I don't know. I think you and many, many others. Yeah. yeah. No, she's, I honestly, but, she's a great actress. And I thought oh, she's she a phenomenal great. actress. Yeah, she's amazing. Yeah. But she's also just fucking gorgeous and has an amazing, yeah. like that oh, yeah. voice that she does in that movie. Yeah. <laughs> no, I know. She's great. And she's, uh, she's British in real life too. So. Yeah. I, I, Cause I remember she was one of those ones that was like set off to be like a really, big time actress uh, and do like these really important roles and everything. And then Marvel is just like, here's money. Yeah. <laughs> so right. all the, like movie snobs are pissed. Cause now she's going to be in Marvel movies forever. Yeah. And I'm like, Oh, fuck you. We got her. Yeah. They'll get over it. But the, uh, the comics didn't do anything for me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we have another Spider-Man comic coming for Marvel this fall. Well, sort of uh, from writer Dan Slott. And artist uh, Reiko Medina comes a new ongoing series spinning out of Dan Slott's Spider-Man series titled Spider-Boy. <laughs> oh, the that's right. The newly featured Spider-Boy is getting his own series after issues featuring him continually sold out many different print runs. Here we go. Spider-Boy's back by popular demand. Yeah. It, it, so I think this is DOA because even Dan Slott said this was not a part of the plan. Yeah, that Marvel came to him and said, hey, those Spider-Boy issues keep selling out. We should do a Spider-Boy book. Mm -hmm. And that to me just screams like, yeah, if the creator just had like a story to tell, because it has something to do with Spider-Verse shit, because that's all Dan Slott knows how to write anymore. Yeah. Um, And if the writer didn't have a plan for this outside of that story, Mm-hmm. But everybody loved it so much that so now we gotta do its own thing. I just uh it screams not gonna be good to me. But yeah. I'm also not a Spider-Man guy. I read Spider-Man here and there. To get into an extended Spider-Man universe in comics is like not something that's gonna catch my drift, but and also like you're the reason it sold out was because of the limited print and stuff like that. So like when you when the FOMO is real, with people are buying up these books, but you're not going to have that when you announce an ongoing where he's like going to be printing a lot of books for it. I'll say this: they said it went into multiple reprints, uh-huh. and they all sold out. Okay. So it's not just a one print run thing. Yeah, and then the second one just died. Like they went into like five or six prints. Wow. So maybe people really do love them and this is going to be really good and everybody's going to enjoy it. I hope that's the case, but yeah, I don't know. Yeah. It screams cash grab to me. Mm -hmm. I mean, I understand how business is. So right. Cash grab could still be good, but this one just screams it to me. Cause even the creators basically said like, yeah, it's cash grab. Yeah. We'll see. Spider boy. Just it's a weird title. Uh, (laughs) Mad cave has announced a new series coming this fall titled the devil that wears my face. Wow, that's pretty metal. The series will be written by David Papose and art from Alex Cormack. Okay, all right. Two people we know. The Devil That Wears My Face is said to be an exorcism comic story set in the year 1740 when Father Franco Vieri is sent to help a Spanish nobleman exercise a demon known as known as Legion. Things go horribly wrong, and he finds himself trapped in the stranger's body. Yeah, uh, evil exorcism book david propose writing uh yeah coming from mad cave all these things check out and i'll probably be checking it out i will definitely pick this one up uh 
Yeah, I love Papose's writing. Mm-hmm. The, the premise sounds awesome. Yeah, sounds really cool. Um, and I love uh, Cormac's art's phenomenal, and mm-hmm. I think it fits the kind of book it is. Yeah, I'm all in on this one. Yeah. Uh, good on Mad Cave. I we don't talk about them a lot, but they have right. a bunch of really interesting sounding books. I mean, Nottingham was one of their books. If you remember, yeah, Nottingham. and they're still doing spinoffs. And I haven't been caught up on Nottingham, but I did really enjoy the first run. So I need to, I need to go back and read all that stuff. Yeah, I'm trying to get. I, I want to get the trade, but mm-hmm. I have so much stuff I got to read that I've been holding off on it. But I hear that. Yeah, but yeah, this book sounds awesome. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. All right, let's talk about what we read, Chris. I read some comics. I don't know about you. I got two weeks for you, Mike. Yes. Two weeks. Two weeks. Comic books. Uh, There's some stuff I need to catch up on, but what I will talk about is... um, All right, this is a book that I was pretty excited for, and I read the book, and I was like, uh, what happened? Uh, Godzilla... Here there be dragons, number one. And uh, it's not a typo. That's just how pirates speak. So that's uh, Frank Thierry and Naka Miranda. Art is fantastic. And I will, I'll start off the premise saying pirates and Godzilla. Uh, but w- And I, we get some cool like drawings. So it was like this pirate's being captured by the, um, by the Royal Guard, you know, kind of like the beginning of Pirates of the Caribbean. And they're questioning him. He talks about this gold that's hidden away. And he talks about Godzilla being the protector of the gold, whatever. But like, Godzilla doesn't show up to the last page of the issue. And then it's like, see Godzilla next issue. And I'm just like, this is a Godzilla book? Because here there not be dragons. (laughs) It literally is a pirate book for like, 20 pages and then I, and then Godzilla pops up at the end. I will say that like two Godzilla things. The one was like this map of like the world, you know, for the oceans and shit and spread throughout the map. There was all the little like kaiju that, you know, like marked on the map. So like, oh, look, there's, you know, uh, Ghidorah and there's like Mothra. Oh, that's cool. But we don't see any monsters at all in the book. So I see a big footprint, Mike. Yeah, there's a what footprint. What do you want? Okay. Um, but that's just my take. I'll usually, say usually I want big big Godzilla in my Godzilla book, but whatever. I'll say this is not for me. I went in not expecting a typical Godzilla book. Yeah. So I knew the first issue was gonna be a lot of setup as to where the like what the fuck's going on. Uh huh. So I was not disappointed in that because that's exactly what we got. Yeah. Um, they talk about how they discovered Monster Island. Um, I like that it's kind of a a pirate telling the story so there's like some unreliable narrative going on yeah there. that's true um i i think i liked it more than you did um but i i do a part of me does say like godzilla it's godzilla in the title godzilla should be in it before the last page um i've yeah. made that criticism before to so to stay where i've always been i will agree with you there but uh yeah. i did enjoy the book though other than that i look forward to issue two Okay, I'm I'm probably gonna stick with it for another issue. That being said, more Godzilla, please. But I do like the idea of like, oh, there's these dragons on the islands. I, I like you said, I like the way they told the story and the interpretation of Godzilla in a different period of time. Um, so that that's I am on board for that stuff. I will say I was worried for a minute that we were gonna get one of these stories where like you. 
we talk about Godzilla, but you don't see Godzilla. Oh my you god! Know, like, yeah, that's. I was, I was worried, worried that's what the issue. book was going to be. Yeah. And then when he shows up, I'm like, okay. So when issue two comes out, it's going to be a whole. If there's not a whole lot of Godzilla, then somebody's fucking up. Yeah, somebody messed up somewhere. Yeah. Um. Okay, Batman, Superman, World's Finest, number sixteen. Mark Wade, Dan Mora. Uh, I love the way Wade handles this book because we get to see Plastic Man and Firestorm in one issue. I love that. Um, also, also he uses things like he uses plot devices when he's writing, like quote a brief explanation later, unquote, instead of like more dialogue between the characters. You know what I mean? I love that mm-hmm. shit. Like that shit makes me very happy. Uh, and then, you know, the doctor to Morrow gets captured, um, during this whole Amazo thing and, uh, says it's hopeless. Amazo wasn't dead. He was hiding a Supergirl. So surprise, the villain is still alive. Um, it's still a fun, a fun book. I love that Mark Wade took over this series. I was just checking cause I wrote it down as issue 17. Oh, um, yeah, I love Amazo. Yeah, like, Maze is such a cool character. Yeah, um, yeah, the book, everything you said, the book's awesome. Uh huh, it's great, love it. The art's amazing. Mora's art is amazing. Uh, Superman five, uh, Williamson Campbell. Uh, Superman saves Silver Banshee and loses his super hearing temporarily. Yeah, it's a cool cover. Uh, the two villains say that Lex, well, the two main villains say that Lex Luthor is up to something, but then we see La- Lex get friggin shanked in prison at the end of the issue <laughs> he gets stabbed and superman can't hear him because his super hearing's all messed up so yeah it's an interesting dynamic between like superman and lex luther's company and lex luther and these these two like these two villains like plotting against lex so I, I think it's a cool story so far it was a fun little love story in there too with uh, Jimmy yeah. and Silver yeah, Banshee. Yeah, I forgot to talk about that. Yep, you're right. And like why Jimmy's defending her and everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, this is the book that I'll say the magic word about and I mean uh-huh. it. It's fun. Yeah, it is fun. It That's is all fun. it is. Yeah. And I, I love like, it. Why can't it. Jimmy Olsen be dating uh, Silver Banshee? Why not? That's the type of stupid shit Jimmy Olsen should be doing. Yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> He's an idiot. Like, yeah. come on. Yeah. <laughs> That's, that should be a book. Stupid shit Jimmy Olsen does. Stupid shit Jimmy Olsen does. He says the press is watched and Superman's got to come bail him out all the time. Call me DC. Uh, Saga 65, Staples and Vaughn. All right. We get an actual issue that moves the story forward, Chris. Wow. Imagine that. I did like this issue. Uh, the Will gets attacked and we see that Sophie dies, that girl that he saved so many years ago, right? Um, but I honestly was w- more worried about Lion Cat dying because Lion Cat gets like, you know, uh, yeah. like strung up, but Lion Cat's alive, everybody. Um, and then we, we see that the main family, like Hazel and crew get, get finally get a, a place to stay and we'll see how temporary it is. But, um, yeah, there's, uh, and th- there was an interaction with the, the robot, um, uh, robot boy that like he shouldn't be able to use his powers or something like that. So there's something interesting going on with him. Completely abandoned the whole let's resurrect our dad thing. Yeah, that was they're like, okay, see ya. Yeah, yeah. I I agree with you that like it moved the story along. And I feel all like that. there's something, some arguments going on behind the scenes. 
<laughs> I still part. think something's missing from this book. And actually, yeah. somebody was talking to me about it. And what it was, was to them, and I think uh-huh. it rings true with me, was Saga for the longest time was this book about a family. But it was more importantly, a book about forbidden love. Right. And these two people who are in love trying to make it work in a world mm-hmm. that doesn't want them, all that shit. You're right. An old story, but one that works. Yeah. And now that's gone. Right. So the soul of the book for me is gone. Yeah. And I think that's why, I mean, listen, it goes from an A plus to a B. Still really good. Yeah. But it just, it isn't on top of my list anymore. And I was really hoping they were going to resurrect dad, but it doesn't look like they are. Maybe they'll swerve back to it next issue. I don't know, but it seems like they went as far away as they could from that, uh, person who was going to resurrect them mm-hmm. with no way to turn the ship around so yeah it was weird yeah. they just like steered away from that with no uh, conclusion to it no conclusion yeah there's like, like All right, yeah goodbye yeah we'll see i have faith that they'll conclude that in some way because mm-hmm. like we got two great creators here i'm just yeah yeah we'll see but yeah i'm just I, my my thought is that like i mean we've read quite, we've read quite a few comics chris that the delivery or the ending won't be like worth all that, you know, like whatever ha- is happening in, in between. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, but. there's, and it's hard to keep a book up to that caliber for 60, 70 issues. Yeah. I mean, come on. So I'm not trying to shit on them. It's mm-hmm. just for me, there's something missing and it's just it not hitting the heights that it used to. And I hope that yeah. one day they can get back to it for me. Yep. Um, I know others disagree and still think it's phenomenal, but that's where I'm yep. standing on the book. Rogue Son, number 13, Perot and Abel. Uh, this is an interesting issue dealing with the astral form. Uh, the main character is while the older guy takes over his body. Uh, there's an interesting like interaction with all the villains that are in like a rehab, talking about the larger one, the larger villain coming that they're all like connected to. That was a cool scene. Uh, then we see Demonica, who was a villain, come back from the dead. Um, and and we see this interaction between uh, the main character and the guy who is controlling his body. Of Like, he's trying to, if they have to fight a villain, he's, like, working with the villain to try to get his body back. And uh, we see him get cast away to, away from the normal world, to, like, an astral world, where his, we find that that's where his dad had been cast when he was in his, in the suit with him, the of armor. Uh, so now they're just like chilling in like this astral plane, like heavenish universe. So that's a pretty cool story. Um, I do like this book. We also see the repercussions of a, a kid in high school dying because they're like, you know, the whole issue is about that. Like, oh, this kid died during the school dance. Like, yeah, this sucks. <laughs> like, yeah, I would um, say that sucks. <laughs> yeah, they didn't really like move. They didn't move on. Like, nothing happened. So that was cool. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Guardians of the Galaxy number three, Lanzig, Kelly, and Walker on the art. I thought it was a great issue. There it is. Uh, Peter and Drax go on the hunt with the Spartax, and they get to speak to the planet Groot. The Spartax kill it, and then he kills them. We get to see Peter Quill being ruthless again. Uh, Get a little further insight into what Groot Fall is, maybe, but I thought this was a good issue. Yeah, I really like the issue. Uh Art's phenomenal. I liked the um, Peter and Groot kind of interacting, having that moment before mm-hmm. something happens to Groot. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Re- I'm loving this book. Yeah. They're doing a great job as always. That's that's all I got to this week, though. So I got a bunch. So I'm going to try to shoot through the 
bunch of them and then get to the ones I really want to talk about. Mm-hmm. But uh, Mighty Barbarians number three is still really good. Um, mm-hmm. Michael Moresi doing Barbarian stuff. Just a good time. Uh, Batman and the White Knight presents Generation Joker number two. Nice. Really good. Uh, yeah. It's it's Joker trying to make it up to his kids, you know, like, and then um the vent, not the ventriloquist. Um, oh, my God. Scarface shows up, but it's the guy who controls Scarface's daughter. And she has control of Scarface now, and they're going to hunt Joker and his kids down. Uh, so good times. Okay. Avengers number two. We finally get into the story. We meet up with Kang. Uh, this future Kang that was beaten up during, uh, oh my God, Timeless. Mm-hmm. And he kind of gives the backstory of what happened during Timeless and uh, to Carol Danvers. And through that, he gives these events that are like, these will happen and th- you can save people. And it was his way of being like, I'm not fucking with you. Like, you know me, I'm Kang. I don't care about people. So if I'm telling you that these things will help people, you know I'm not lying to you. Mm-hmm. And so the whole issue is them doing that. And I love that the last one is uh, Sam Wilson meets up with this trucker who's supposed to give the, the supplies to a uh, hospital. And the, it's the old trucker story. takes the pills to try to stay awake and all this. And what's supposed to happen is he's supposed to get into a crash, mm-hmm. kill a bunch of people on the highway, and then the people at the hospital also die because they don't get their medicine. Yeah. But... um. Sam stops him and the guy's like, but we need to get this medicine. Sam goes, then get in the pastor seat and start sleeping. And he goes, do you, do you know how to drive a stick? He's like, how do you think I got through college, man? <laughs> and it's an old Sam Wilson thing where like Sam used to drive a semi before he met up with cap. So I love that part of the book. So um, nice. A lot of fun. Awesome. Awesome. I hate fairyland. Number six was really good. Uh, it seems like the Council of Fairyland has decided they're going to go through the multiverse to find different uh, Gretas to fight Greta Prime. Nice. So, you know, that old story. Yeah. But it's still, it's fun. It's I Hate Fairyland. It's awesome. Captain America 14, uh, Symbol of Truth, number 14. It's the last issue of this. It was an okay issue. It was like Sam Wilson's day off kind of thing mm-hmm. and how he's he can never stop being Cap and all that. But, uh, yeah, it wasn't anything to write home about. Daredevil and Echo number two was not a good issue. Not great, mm-hmm. but I, I like where they're going, fighting this demon that connects to both their paths. Uh, Action Comics number 1056. It's really stupid to say that number. <laughs> um, I know. So the first story with uh, uh, Cyborg Superman. Mm-hmm kind of comes to a conclusion where they they defeat cyborg superman spoilers and his whole plan and then um the oh my god yeah and then they save the the what's his name's daughter i'm zoning on fucking names right now and realize that you know she was under mind control or whatever so they're trying to help her and then we get uh thing for the next story arc that doesn't start till september because next month all next two months night all dc comics are canceled and they're doing night terrors Mm -hmm. which is great for my wallet but yeah uh there's a new organization called blue earth that's anti-alien i don't think it's Mm -hmm. new actually it's been around for a minute in the comics yeah but they're 
they're showing it as something new and they're going to try to take care of Superman. Uh-oh. And then the second story was that Dan Jurgens, uh Superman story taking place in the past where Superman's go to this other planet to save his kid. And it was kind of cool because they have his kid in a, a lead casing. And the mm-hmm. only way he can hope to contact his father is to just like beat at the lead uh-huh. in a rhythm and hope that he can hear it. Yeah. I thought that was a unique way of doing it. Cause you know, Superman can't see or hear through lead. Right. That's interesting. And then my last, well, actually one I read a few weeks back, I didn't talk about, but nostalgia number one, it's a comicsology book. Mm-hmm. Uh, highly recommend it. It's like blade runner, but okay. with, if Blade Runner was talking about the music industry. Mm. So it's okay. this guy who's like a music legend and this futuristic thing and how he's like constantly being told he needs to make more music and everything, but he doesn't have his muse or whatever. Yeah. And it gets a little bit deeper than that and, and what he does, but I really loved it. And I look forward to the next issue of that. Last two, Mike vanish number eight. Oh yeah. I got to read that. Uh, even though this is the last issue of Vanish, it is not the last issue of Vanish. Let me tell you what that. Oh, really? Interesting. Um, so we get kind of the final fight and everything, and it wraps up everything for this first arc volume, mm-hmm. whatever you want to call it. But the ending does set up a future story that I'm interested in. There's an epilogue that involves our main character and his ex-wife, whatever yep. she is now, mm-hmm. and the kid. So I hope they come back to it. I'll say all in all, these eight issues of Vanish are really fucking good. And yeah, it was a good it was a good story. Yeah, I just really enjoyed it. So I do hope he comes back to it. The the team comes back to it because Stegman. The only problem I have with this issue is Stegman only does pencils for three pages. Oh, boy. They got another artist do the rest. And it's not a huge difference. Like, I think if I didn't tell you that, you wouldn't really notice. Mm-hmm. Um but I hope that the two come back together to do future volumes. Yeah. yeah that'd be nice. And the one I've been wanting to talk about for two weeks now, ultimate yep. Asian number one. There you go. I fucking love this book. Nice. That's awesome. <laughs> so first of all, I want to point this out. This made me laugh. What the hell? There's a black hole in the story. Yeah. Wow. Amazing. <laughs> and it looks like uh radiant black to all the listeners out there. Yeah, it does. Uh, so, the maker is being imprisoned in the secret facility and he finds a way to escape by hiring these, this crew. Uh, and his whole plan is that nobody's going to know that he's escaped. So he hires them all in a specific way, has them bring this machine to him. And when they break him out, he takes all of their bodies and morphs it in this like really body horror looking way but morphs it so it looks like he's still sitting there mm-hmm. while he just walks out the door. Interesting. Uh, and then from there, it's basically Jonathan Hickman's greatest hits because we get <laughs> the Illuminati, we get Fantastic Four, we get X-Men, uh, we get the Avengers. And the maker is stealing things from all these different entities and more to create something. And the Illuminati is trying to figure it out. They can't figure it out until it's too late. And that's when they find he's built this big machine that's going to hop universes. And I think time. Huh? And I, I say that I'll 
get to that later, but I'm pretty sure it also did time, even though it didn't say so explicitly in the story. And um, the maker has a confrontation with Reed Richards, which is really good and kind of disappears in this portal. And that's kind of where the book ends, but then there's an epilogue to it Mm -hmm. that takes place on earth. Six, one, six, zero, the ultimate universe. Uh, and this this epilogue story is the origin story for Spider-Man where Spider-Man goes to the place the radioactive spider gets down bites uh-huh. him but before the spider bites him somebody comes and kills the spider oh and then we turn around and it's the maker nice so he's killing the origins yeah and he gives this big speech about how it would be unreal for or unreasonable for him to not do it because with Great power comes great responsibility. Mike. Oh boy, <laughs> there it is. That's awesome. It was everything I wanted. It was really great. If you're an Ultimates fan, if you've been reading Hickman as long as I have, it's a necessary read. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it was just phenomenal. That's awesome. So, Mike, that's everything I had to read this week and last week. Uh, where can people find you on the internet? You can find me at Fortress Ricker on Twitter. Where can they find you and/or the show? You can find me at Fortress Chris on Twitter and most other social media networks. Also, uh, you can find the show at Fortress Comics underscore on Twitter and FortressComicNews.com. Remember, everybody, to give us a five-star review and podcatcher your choice. To like, subscribe, share, comment down below in the YouTube version. And you can always visit Patreon at Patreon.com slash Fortress Comics. Thank you all so much for watching and or listening this week. And we'll see you all here next week. <laughs>